There are so many in our society that question the fairness of God. That why would he let certain things happen? Or, you know, maybe we can go through life and even we've been there before. And we've wondered or pondered in our mind, is God not fair? Is he unjust or unrighteous in his dealings? You know, and sometimes we could just be unfathomable to even think that, to even conjure that in our mind. And so maybe we just keep it in the back recesses of our minds. And often we we'll, may have that question, and when that question arises, many of the responses that we may even hear is, well, God does not have to be fair. Have you ever heard that before? He's God, and he is sovereign. He self-rules, which is true. But I believe scripture tells us if we look deeply, if we look closely, that we can get an understanding. The Bible says, in all thy getting, get an understanding. And so I'd like to challenge you, the hero, but also me, the speaker, the preacher, to proclaim God's word, that we would rest upon the Holy Spirit to just lead and guide us this morning. And that we can hear divinely from God on this topic, is God unjust? We are reminded that we see in scriptures where Job's wife even questioned and asked. And she made this statement, why don't you just, after going through all these trials of losing so much, of so many hardships and pain, that she looked to her husband Job and she said, why don't you just curse God and die? And Job responded, but he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speak. He didn't call her foolish, husbands. He said, you speak as one of the foolish women speak. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. He didn't allow his tongue to utter the words, is God unjust? But I'd like to take some time to look into this matter today a little deeper, a little closer. I don't know for sure, but I believe someone needs to hear this this morning. I believe that there's somebody here that's been perplexed by this very thought. So maybe it's you, maybe it's your brother, maybe it's your sister, but let's just learn about the Lord. Let him speak to us today. Is God unjust? Would you turn with me? Our scripture reference today comes from the book of Romans, the ninth chapter, verse 13 through 14. The book of Romans, the ninth chapter, verse 13 through 14. And it reads, that it is written... Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. I will tell you and be uh, openly honest with you that at the beginning of this week, the Lord started sharing this with me, and I said, oh no, Lord, that's kind of tough. Let's put that aside a little bit. And so I put it to the side on Wednesday, and the Lord came back on Thursday and said, no, no, bring it back. 
It's so important that we have this discussion. And we see here in the book of Romans this particular passage written by the Apostle Paul that he addresses the justice of God's ways and plans. And to do that, he reaches into two areas of Scripture found in the Old Testament. These verses that I just read are a backdrop of what we will see in the Old Testament. The first scriptural writing that Paul is alluding to is the story of Jacob and Esau. Found in the book of Genesis, uh, right around Genesis 25 to Genesis 29, and we will talk about it in just a moment. The second scriptural writing is from the book of the prophet called Malachi which is the last book of the Old Testament and the last prophet of the Old Testament's writings around 430 B.C. And that date should have marked and and stuck in some of your minds because that's right around the time when we believe that the dark ages began where God became silent. And so he's speaking these very last words to the Israelites. During a time when the people of Israel had been resettled back to Jerusalem after being in the Babylonian captivity for 70 years. And so the people are charged by Nehemiah to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And Malachi is a contemporary of Nehemiah. He's sharing the prophetic word of God as they're trying to restore and rebuild all that had been lost because of their turning away from God. So what's Jacob and Esau's story? Let me just take a little, give you a glimpse of the story and just walk you through a little bit of it. See, Jacob and Esau are the sons of Isaac and the grandson of Abraham. You remember Abraham, the father of many nations. Abraham was the one God chose to bless and to make a great nation. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it says this, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Let Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show you. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. I want you to remember that because he says some things here. God says, I'll bless you, and thou shalt be a blessing. When the old, when Abraham and Sarah uh, were getting old, God allowed them to have a children. He blessed them with Isaac. And so Isaac would be the son of Abraham and would continue to follow the Lord's plan that God had given to Abraham, that he would make him a great nation, that he would bless him, and that he would make him to be a blessing. We see this, a glimpse of this in Genesis chapter 26, verse 12 and 13. Genesis chapter 26 and 12 and 13 says this, Then Isaac sold in, the land, in that land and received the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. In Genesis 26, verse 24 and 25, it talks about 
God's interaction with Isaac. And the Lord appeared unto him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee, and I will bless thee. And multiply thy seed for my servant, for my servant Abraham's sake. And he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord. See, he worshiped God. He was obedient to God's plan and purpose for him. And pitched his tent there, and there Isaac's servants digged a well. And so as we continue of this story of Jacob and Esau, Abraham and Sarah begat Isaac. Isaac and Rebekah begat two sons, while in the womb of Rebekah there was a wrestling going on. See, it's believed and understood that Rebekah didn't really know she had two children, two sons in her womb at the time. There was just a lot of wrestling going on. And so she inquired of God, what is this all about? The scriptures tells us this in Genesis 25, verse 23. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples or people groups shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other. And the older shall serve the younger. And now I want to stop in that little verse and tell you a couple things here. Um, we believe God's word is the inerrant word of God. Okay, His word is without error. Now I will tell you that sometimes in translation, when we're translating the Hebrew and the Greek to English, that sometimes we don't get the full just of the translation. And that's why it's important for us to exegesis or dig deep into the word meaning, the Hebrew and Greek, so we can get a full understanding of that. And so as we look at this particular passage and where it says, and the older shall serve the younger, in the Hebrew, and then when we see it in Romans, in the Greek, there is a broader understanding, and there's almost where we didn't accurately translate this the way it was originally intended when it was written in Hebrew. Because the Hebrew word actually more so means the bigger or the larger shall serve the lesser or the smaller. And when we look into it that way, we get an understanding that there were two people groups. That's what the previous portions of that, those verses talk about. That there would be a larger people group and there would be a smaller people group. And as we go a little bit farther, we'll be able to see who those two people groups are. So journey with me a little bit more. It says, so the brothers are twins. Esau is born first, and Jacob is holding on to his heel when he comes out of Rebekah's womb. They were tussling inside. Anybody ever had some sibling rivalries? Okay. 
So we see already from the womb there's a tussling going on between these two brothers. Now, Jewish tradition is that the eldest son inherits the birthright and in most cases receives the blessing from the father. Where it's not an automatic thing that the elder has to receive the blessing. So we talked a little bit about this. Abraham beget Isaac. Isaac beget Esau and Jacob. And now Esau and Jacob have relationships with their mother and father. And the very name Jacob means trickster, deceiver. And so we see Jacob coming out of the womb second, which means he was not entitled to, to inherit the birthright that something occurs in Genesis 25, verse 33 through 34. Look what it says here. And Jacob said, swear to me this day. Let me get a backdrop. Esau just came out of the wilderness. He was famished. He was tired. And he wanted to eat something. And so, and Jacob said, swear to me this day. And he swore unto him. And he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. And he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. We're going to come back to that. But it seems as the issue more so on Jacob being the trickster. And I would challenge you to understand that God had a plan and a purpose for each, each of these gentlemen. That he desired that both would come, would love him, would follow him, would be obedient to him. But God's able to sit high and he looks low. See, God is not confounded by time. He could even see what's going to happen. What's happened, he's eternity past, present, and future. But I would tell you this and challenge you with these words. Just God sees all, but he doesn't control all. Okay? He gives us will and choice. Now, he governs. But in this particular, there is words that are spoken where God sees what's going to happen. So what's the concern with Esau? We see an obvious issue with Jacob that he's tricking his brother, deceiving his brother. But what's the concern with Esau that we would come to this point and we would say, is God unfair that he loved Jacob but he hates Esau? See, let me explain and look a little deeper into that. The birthright, which the Hebrew word for that is betura. And that word relates to the leadership of the family and its mission, responsibility. That as the elder son, you are to inherit the birthright. You are to take the responsibility, just like Isaac did, to walk in his ways, to follow his plan. 
to lead the family into the way of righteousness, to trust the Lord as God spoke to Abraham and said, come out from among you and that I'll show you and I will make you a great nation. And so the birthright is also the one who receives it is challenged and charged to communicate the ethical monotheism, meaning one God, to study and to follow one God in this world. The birthright was thus to do, had to do with the spiritual direction more so than the natural. And scripture says here, Esau despised his birthright. Now, I don't believe this was a spur of the moment type of decision. That through his growing up and through him being a child in Isaac's home, that, he, that Isaac talked often about the plan and the purpose that God has. And that that would be a birthright given down to Esau to follow God, to trust him, to obey his plans, to lead the family of Israel that would c- to come, the family of God into the way of righteousness. But we see a couple of glimpses of where Esau's heart was, that he despised his birthright. So much so that at the age of 40, we see Esau make a decision to go against his parents and in essence against God. Look with me in Genesis 26, verse 34 and 35. It says, and Esau was 40 years old when he took to wife Judas, the daughter of Berea, the Hittite. And he took the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, which were a grief of mine unto Isaac and to Rebekah. See, what is this talking about? This is what God is speaking and telling, and telling them, don't wed, don't marry these nations, these people that won't serve me that won't trust me, that won't follow my plan and my purpose. And Esau, who was to inherit the birthright, went against that plan. See, it gotten in his, it was his heart. He did this knowing that it was something that was not only egregious to his parents, but against God's will and God's plan. Whereas the blessings, let's talk about the blessings, whereas the blessings had to do more with material superiority. And the blessings, which in the Hebrew is verachoke, in most cases was given to the eldest son which afforded a double portion of land and property, but there was no requirement to give it to the, eldest, to the oldest son. The father would give a blessing, and this blessing would be almost at, to an extent, instead of them writing down a last will and testament, they would say a blessing over their children. 
giving them all rights and privileges of all of the inheritance that they were given. So what's the difference between the birthright and the blessings a little more? While birthright belonged to the firstborn son, anyone could receive a blessing. In the time of the patriarchs, such blessings acted as a last will and testament and were highly prized as a means of revealing God's will. But we know and we see that something happens. Just like Jacob tricked Esau, but did he really, to give up his birthright? We see something in Genesis 27, verse 32 through 35. If you would read with me. And Isaac said, his father, let me give you a backdrop there. I, Esau had went out because his father said, go, I'm hungry. Go fetch me something to fix me a meal so that I may bless you, so that I may give you your blessing. And so Esau goes out. Rebecca hears this. She goes and speaks to J Jacob and tells Jacob, put on some furry clothes because Esau is a hairy guy. He works out in the, in the, in the fields. He's a hunter. And Esau is more softer, is that a word I should say? He, he's more gentle, and his skin is softer. Jacob is, and so he puts on this disguise. His father is old of age. He's about to probably pass. He can't see very well, and so Jacob makes a meal. He brings it in to his father with these skin on. His father feels him. He hears his voice. He doesn't really think it sounds exactly like Esau, but he trusts that when he touched him, it's Esau. So he eats the meal and he gives the blessing. And immediately after he gives the blessing, Jacob gets up and leaves. Isaac comes, Esau comes back in. He prepares it and sets it before his father and says, now bless me. Here's where we see in Genesis 27, 32, 35. I know many of you probably said, that trickster Jacob, that ain't fair. Look at him. 32, and Isaac said, and Isaac his father said unto him, who art thou? And he said, I am thy son, thy firstborn, Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that hath taken venison and brought it to me and have eaten of all before thou camest and have blessed him? Yea, and he shall be blessed. Sign sealed and delivered. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceedingly bitter cry and said unto his father, Bless me. Give me the inheritance. 
Give me the double portion of all these riches. Bless me, even me also, oh my father. And he said, thy brother came with subtlety and have taken away thy blessing. So I know that some of your thoughts are, that ain't right. That ain't fair. But what are we seeing here? See, what we're seeing is the condition of Esau's heart. See, when it was the responsibility and the direction and the following and the obedience of God, he despised it. But when it was the portions of the land, the goods, the riches, he cried out bitterly, where is mine? When he gave his birthright away, he gave it away because he despised it. But he cries exceedingly bitter when the riches are taken away from him. See, the reality of it is, and the understanding is, God looks at the inward parts of the heart. And he would rather take away all of these natural, physical, earthly things that will be burned up in the fire to win our soul to him so that we would have eternal blessings. See, he's trying to get at the heart of all of this. See, John Cena said, yeah, I'm quoting John Cena, (laughs) when you say something good, come on now. (laughs) John Cena said this, a man's character is not judged after he celebrates a victory, but by what he does when he's backed, when his back is against the wall. What he does. So let me show you what Esau does. In Genesis 28, verse 8 and 9, and Esau, seeing that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac, his father, then went Esau to Ishmael and took unto the wives which he had, the daughters of Ishmael, Abraham's sons, to be his wife. When his back was backed up against the wall, instead of him surrendering, trusting, obeying the Lord, he turned against all the plans once again that God had to make a great nation. See, 
of someone else that went through this a little few years down the road, and his name was David, and David, being a man after God's own heart, had this to say about God. See, David also had had his moments. He had some trials. He had some tribulations. He had some situations that seen in the natural eye weren't fair. But he said this in Psalms 25, verse 8 through 10. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he teaches sinners in the way. See, the reason God is, one of the reasons God is good and upright is he doesn't leave us in our mess. He doesn't leave us to our own destructive devices. That he's willing to teach us. He wanted to teach Esau. It goes on to say, the humble he guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his way. See, God would have guided Esau through this, but he refused through his unhumbled heart. When the Almighty chose Abraham, both elements of the birthright and the blessing were included in the divine charge. Not one, but both. That Isaac would be challenged and charged to receive the birthright, take the responsibility and watch God bless him and be good stewards of what God has blessed him with. And that Esau would do the same. But God knew. See, it's so important that we fulfill our responsibilities, our callings, and we get to receive the blessings. And being a good steward with what God has given us. See, God sees our heart. And so he made those statements to Abraham. He said, I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Not only will I bless you, you'll be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed great responsibility to whom much is given much is required I shall make you a great nation I shall bless you and I will make you a blessing but we still need to answer the question did God really hate Esau see in Romans 9 13 we see in the very beginning it is written Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. I want to try to break this down in a very quick manner so that we can also look in exegesis this word hate. See, the key to resolving this difficulty is hidden in the ancient meaning of this Hebrew word, sonia. See, this word often gets mistranslated as hate, and we take it in our natural, our American, our 
updated understanding to mean simply that. But that's not what it means in the Hebrew fully. There is no question that God loved Jacob with a covenantal love. But he did not hate E.C. in the sense of the word. Do we see this translation also in Genesis 29, 30 through 31, when it's talking about Jacob and his wives, Rachel and Leah? It says this, and, and he went in also unto Rachel, and he looked also, he loved also Rachel more than Leah, and served with him yet seven other years. So we see that word more there a little bit, that there was something about what Jacob was doing that Acre, that Esau was not. In this case, this word sonia means loving someone or something less. But I would like to tell you that it, it reaches a little bit deeper than that. Let me share just a little bit of the amplified version of Romans 9, verse 12, when, J when Paul says it. Here's what the amplified version reads. As it is written and forever remains written, Jacob I loved, chose, protected, and blessed. See, Jacob, God chose him. The Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. And so Jacob was chose because he allowed his heart to be transformed, protected, and blessed him. But Esau I hated, more so meaning held in disregard compared to Jacob. Because of where Jacob's, I mean, excuse me, Esau's heart was. God still loved him, but he held what he was doing in disregard. And we see this a little bit more as we get to the book of Malachi. The step two, this particular passage is taken from Malachi. The burden of Malachi to tell the truth to Israel a big part of this setting is visibly seen how Israel's heart turned away from God and which caused the destruction of their homeland. Nehem, uh, Malachi is reflecting on this and it's showing the indignation that Esau displayed and that also Israel is displaying. And so as you look with me in Malachi chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, this is happening a thousand plus years after Jacob and Esau's time. This ver these very words that Paul is speaking about when he says it is written is found in the book of Malachi. That God never said this to Jacob and Esau is never mentioned in the book of Genesis. The first time we see these words mentioned is when Malachi speaks them and writes them here. Malachi 1, verse 1 to 3. 
the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet ye say, wherein hast thou loved us? They're questioning God's love. You say, was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I loved Jacob, and I hated Esau, and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Going back to that amplified version. In the net traditional sense of how we see the word love and hate. It's not what God is saying through Malachi to the people of Israel. He's saying, I chose, protected, and blessed Jacob because he turned his heart towards me. He loved me. He desired to obey my plan and my will, even though he was a trickster and he messed up and he did things wrong. He turned around and got it. But Esau, I held in disregard because he wouldn't turn his heart towards me. He wouldn't receive, but he despised the birthright. He wanted the good. He wanted to be prosper, but he didn't want to follow me. Malachi speaks to the Israelites a little bit more. In Malachi 1, verse 6 and 7, he says, As sons honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is my honor? He's, he's speaking, he's using Esau as an example, but he's speaking to the Israelites. Saying, God has been your father. Just as Esau didn't honor Isaac, and in a sense didn't honor me, God, you Israelites, you have not honored me. And if I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests that despise my name. Let me see that word again. And ye say, wherein have we despised thy name? Ye offer polluted bread unto mine altar. And you say, wherein have we polluted thee? And that ye say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. See, they were bringing the, not the best, not the first. They were bringing the blind lambs. They were bringing the blemished because they wasn't taking and honoring God with their best first. They weren't, their heart was half-hearted. They were going through the motions. Everybody else would look on the outside and say, man, they good church-going people. Why aren't they prospering? God must not be fair. They would use words like despising his name. And they would say the table of the Lord is contemptible. 
That word contemptible means despisable, worthy of nothing. I can't get nothing out of this. It must not be worth anything. Malachi is making this charge to Israel. Having despised God's name. And he's using the example of Esau who did the same. And expected the blessing. And so he would say God is unjust and unfair. Because he wanted the blessing. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles which follow not after righteousness have attained to righteousness even the righteousness which is of faith. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, have not attained to the law of righteousness. See, we can get so caught up in the law and forget that this is a faith walk. Many times there are things happening in the deep inward parts of our hearts you know the parts of the hearts of men and women that we cannot see but God sees it all he does not want you to think your despising of him is okay so he holds back just like he did with Esau not because he's unjust but because he loves us and he chastens whom he loves. He so desires to draw us to him. And so he would rather us suffer in this world to save our soul. That the body be burned or the body be destroyed and the soul to be cast into hell. He does not want to be lost. See, I've had several people say to me when asked, when they became, when I asked them when did they become a Christian, I asked them to tell their testimony. And I've gotten a response many times, well, I've always been a Christian. I was born into a Christian family. That's not according to the word of God. It's not something you just get because you were born into it. But you turn to him in faith and let him be the Lord of your life. And E.C. despised that. Just like Esau, Israel wanted to be, wanted the blessing, but despised the birthright. 
which speaks to a spiritual responsibility to fulfill the spiritual plans that God has for you and not just reap the natural blessings that God can provide. Esau needed to make a decision to follow God and not despise him. God wants to eternally bless your life and give you the birthright that comes through Jesus Christ. The firstborn of the Father. Not just give you what you want here and now. So is God unjust? No. Because he is a just and holy God. He will hold back now to bless you forever. The reality of it is, is there is unfairness in this world. We can look at so many situations and say that and make that comment. But God's desire is that none would be lost and that all would come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And you don't get there because your mama or your daddy. You get there because you turn your heart to the Lord. And you make him the Lord of your life. And he's so just and so holy that he sent his only begotten son, his firstborn, that he would be the first of many brethren. That he wouldn't leave us out. That he loved us so much that he was willing to sacrifice for you and I. And that we wouldn't call him unjust, but we would call him Abba, Father, precious God. So that you and I would be blessed, we would receive the birthright, and we would be a blessing. He's not unjust, he's holy and just.